Today we're going to talk about the ultimate career and industry, the auto industry of the 21st century, robotics. Why do you say that robotics is the new auto industry? Because this is where everything converges. It's the ultimate cognitive challenge for lateral thinkers of numeric and engineering interest. Okay, do you think uh, a lot of money will be made here too? Oh yes, definitely. And uh, that goes both for workers and investors, owners of companies. And, uh, well, for the consumers as well. The reason is that automation, it makes use of the most supportive future-proof industries and it's um, needed for uh, similarly future-critical areas. AI, biotech, nanotech and more. And we're talking about um, industries like space mining, space defense, food production, energy production. But we, we will talk more about all of these. And at the same time, self-driving cars they are robots already okay so it's like you you are thinking that this is how to put it like a higher order of many industries uh, like how do i put it you, you have all these industries that are coming together into one new sort of massive super industry rather than just thinking of a lot of separate industries and, and trying to um, understand how they will develop if you start with framing it as coming together in the robotics industry, then you can understand which parts and which subsectors could uh, flourish in, uh, in that environment, in the future environment, because they are part of the mega industry, robotics. Mm. Okay, so in this episode and also in the next episode that we do, uh, it's going to be very, uh, very heavy on information and technology. This is an expert that you have been studying for, I don't know how long, but like more than 10 years. Yeah, I, I would say before um, the, the start of the, of the century. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, okay. almost 20 years, or let's okay. say 20 years. Yeah, so a very long time. And this is very informative. And uh, uh, just to put that at like, kind of like a, like a backdrop or a preparation. Yeah, exactly. So, for, for example, I read the book Engines of uh, Creation by Eric Drexler. I read that in, in the 1990s. And that sets me off thinking about th these kinds of uh, futuristic industries. With, with, uh, well, that's centered on uh, very small nano robots. Uh, but it also set me off thinking about automation in general. Right. So, uh, yeah, we're going to cover a lot of information. And one thing that I would like to ask, kind of a difficult question, but that I would like to ask is, we've been thinking about, uh, you know, these futuristic topics, that the future will be radically different for, uh, I don't know how long, it's like a general theme of mankind. Uh, but what kind of time frame would you put us in having this massive big industry converging? I think, I mean, you, you tend to be too optimistic in, in these cases. But I, I would say that in about 10 years, I expect people to have something that's more similar to the robots we, we think of. Uh, and I, I think it's, it's, it has already started, of course, with vacuum cleaners, robotic vacuum cleaners. Right, the ones that like go around when, uh, yeah. 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 And, and then the next step is self-driving cars, even though people will not think about those as, as robots. 
Uh, and then, then I think um, uh, what we see in the military and Boston Dynamics and, and their various big dog robots and uh, cheetah robots and things like that, uh, I think in about 10 years we will see those kinds of machines migrating into ordinary households. But they will be expensive, luxurious and an item for, um, for high status, a, a little bit like, like a, an expensive sports car. But I would, I would expect that to happen in about 10 years. Okay, so uh, before we continue, what is Boston Dynamics? It's a, it's a company, it's a defense company that makes uh, robots for military use mainly. It was bought by Google, but I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if Google is, uh, is um, selling it uh, again. To, but um, it, it used to be a standalone company and then Google bought it. And what they do uh, is, um, is robots for the military. So for carrying stuff um, and for um, going uh, places where, where humans can't go because of, for example, radiation. Hmm, okay. All right. So y- you mentioned that robots might become status symbols. How do you see that happening? Um, to start with, if it becomes more and more um, usual and uh, more and more um, common to use uh, self-driving cars, I think that that might reduce the status of um, of owning a car and driving a car, and um, uh, therefore. There is a there's a need there. There it opens up like a, a vacant spot for a status symbol, and sure you have cars. I mean, sorry, you have you have watches, but they will they will probably uh, be kept around, and and you have uh, big boats, but that, those are very difficult to to show off, and they are also extremely expensive. They are only for for the the absolute top top wealthy um, persons. But robots have the potential of being that um, 10 to 100k dollars uh, item Hmm. that you keep around the house that can serve as a butler or a cleaner or... I would like uh, to have uh, one of those. (laughs) (laughs) Do you... um, Have you seen the Rocky IV movie? It's it's from 1984, I think. Yeah, I remember that in the kitchen. Yeah, and Rocky was extremely wealthy. I think that was the the idea of of the movie, in the beginning at least. And it's like with this, it's like uh, his uh, friend Paulie and the robot, right? Yeah, so... so, um, he lives in this big house. He's very, very wealth, very wealthy, and he also has a robot, <laughs> and and that's like the ultimate status symbol. And that was in 1984, so it's a little bit prematurely, uh, but but I, I I think the vision was correct. It was just that you couldn't really make robots yet. Mm. Okay, so. Um, there's a concept here that you've mentioned, which is robotics as a service. What, yeah. what does that mean? Um, it's um, a little bit of a, of a fad calling everything as a service. So you have, uh, I don't know, you even have uh, like uh, washing machines as a service. <laughs> but uh, the concept is to... Um, subscription model. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's a subscription model. Um, or leasing. I mean, you lease cars, uh, but you never called it cars as a service. But today you would. And, and this is the, the same idea. If the robot is too expensive to buy upfront or pay for upfront, you, um, you lease it and the company can call it robotics as a service. And that would uh, get uh, investors going. Mm. And okay, the so like a skyrocketing, skyrocketing. Yeah, right, right. But, but uh, underneath that buzzword, do you see this happening? 
Um, no, I haven't really seen it yet. Uh, definitely not in the consumer space. And I, I'm, I'm not sure what's going on in, uh, in the industrial robots space. I actually think that most robots are, are sold maybe with vendor financing, but not really uh, leased out. But I, I really don't have any idea. And, and I'm mainly focused on the, the consumer robot potential here. And, and that's what I see uh, going the way the, the auto industry did. And, and that's what will happen in about 10 years. Okay, so... There are uh, already a lot of industrial robots, of course, and they have yeah, been around yeah. since the 70s. And, um, okay. Yeah, but like the problem is to, to get it to the consumer and make it uh, immerse in society, make yeah. it a normal thing. Yeah, since they, are, they will be so expensive, there will, something will have to happen in order to make them profitably and make consumers really want to uh, to have these and spend money on them and, and show them off. Yeah, okay, so, so I'm with you and I think I understand what you mean. Um, but, but let's consider what sort of robots are we talking about here? Um, how, like, what sort of functions will they fulfill in society? Um, one place where they are already gaining some, um, some use is in elderly care. So they could be, they could get things for uh, for an elderly person and they can prevent them from falling they can prevent them from from walking in the middle of the night uh, because they they can uh, predict what's uh, what's going on um, they can also be companions there are these uh, uh, small <laughs> seal cub robots that are just uh, a little bit cuddly but also can uh, can make noises or even talk and uh, and um, they have a face and can can make some facial expressions. So I, I think in in elderly care, which is midway between industrial use and consumer use, uh, that's that's where we're already seeing this happening. Mm. And in in the next step, I expect them to be some kind of um, a butler-like person, butler-like um, uh, function, a little bit like in in, in Rocky actually. And I remember. Uh, a couple of months ago, uh, our first episode of Future Skills podcast when we talked to Martin Sandqvist and he mentioned his sex robot theory. That was also funny. <laughs> so maybe they will do that too. Yeah, I, um, I went to Saim, uh, Sima, uh, yeah, w- yeah. with uh, Ola Alvarsson and Epicenter. And uh, one of the world's best sex robot inventors were there. Oh. And he presented his, uh, his, his robot. And you only got to see uh, the face, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but um, um, yeah, she was she was pretty hot, and and she had a, a natural gaze and uh, uh, and way she. of uh, blinking. <laughs> it was definitely she. <laughs> um, so. Uh, well, usually the, the porn and sex industry, they are typically ahead of the time in, in all things uh, technology. They were, they were the pioneers within video and, and uh, photography. <laughs> and they, they always want to make things as lifelike as possible, possible and, as, um, and, and get the interaction right between humans and, uh, and the technology. So I, I expect them to be first here too. Sex makes the world go around. <laughs> yeah, well, without it, we wouldn't be here. <laughs> All right. So uh, let, let's uh, look at some other, like, more technical aspects. Um, what, what kind of, uh, what kind of sort of human functions could these robots fulfill? Either, either uh, by themselves or serving as like a supplement. I'm thinking about things like uh, vision and touch. Mm, and, yeah, uh, yeah. So, so there are a lot of th- things that 
really need to be become a lot better for uh, robots to be able to fulfill uh, this role as a butler. So as you said, vision and, and touch are difficult things. And, they, and we also have like they have had problems getting uh, mobility and, and balance right. And, um, and then uh, uh, there is the question of communication. How do you talk naturally to a robot and get it to talk in a natural way back without you having to use a lot of signal words? I mean, you don't want to say, okay, Google Glass every time you do something. It's like a sci-fi movie. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it's, it's awful. You, you never want to do that. You want to be able, you want it to, be, uh, to understand when you're talking to it and not just talking out loud. Um, and then there is sensing in general, so you have to have sensors. Um, you want it to be able to predict things, either that it sees that something is about to hit it, so it can prepare and brace itself. So, so the balance system doesn't have to be as good, since it already knows how to, to counteract whatever it's going to hit it, rather than wait for it to hit. Uh, but there are a couple of good systems for, for this that I've seen, that they... They simulate a hundred things uh, a second and, and, and simulate um, the robot's uh, countermeasure a hundred times per second. So it knows what, what would be the one in a 10,000 best uh, uh, answer to what's going to happen before it's happened. Okay. Um, I don't know if we're going to talk about this in this episode or maybe the next. Uh, you can decide that. But uh, um, how do you see... Uh, this sort of thing that you're talking about with the sophisticated robot butler thing uh, compared to what you've been talking about in many of our other episodes, which uh, is like an intelligent agent, I think you call it. Oh, yeah. Um, I think the, the intelligent agents, they are a bit off still. Um, so just to, to make, uh, make it clear what we're talking about, what I mean when I talk about intelligent agents it's kind of a, a, um, a software copy of my own behavior. So a, a software that gradually learns what I usually do and what kind of decisions I usually take. And then it becomes gradually more and more independent and, and gets to take these decisions without my involvement at all. It would be very good if you could um, uh, implant uh, this type of agent in a physical robot. And I think that will definitely be done over time, but I, I expect it to be perfected as a software agent first and, and probably will keep being beta tested in, in a, as a purely software-based uh, agent for, for several years before you let it loose in, uh, uh, in a physical robot. And, and not least because physical robots, it will take probably longer than, than even I expect before they are um, agile enough and, and good enough to actually move around in the real world. They are pretty clumsy so far. Yeah, okay. So the way that I imagine that is like uh, having a perfect right-hand man who is uh, up all day long, never sleeps and just knows what you want and is really dutiful and good all the time. Yes, imagine like a clone of yourself or your best friend, but who's awake all the time and, and keeps finding information, thinking about what would be the best decision and how that would fit into what, what you usually do. And then he just presents his best ideas. I mean, you maybe, maybe you meet your best friend a couple of hours a week and then sometimes you think you get so, so good ideas from him. 
and uh, imagine having having him around all the time and he never sleeps never drinks alcohol <laughs> never wastes time what what kind of good ideas would you get from him then so it's like being a vc almost everyone can be like a vc with ideas pitched to them all day and they have to just choose <laughs> yeah yeah uh, definitely easier if you get all the pitches all the time for free okay um so Let's talk a little bit more about these different robots, uh, the robot butlers again. Uh, I'm thinking, let, let's assume this is going to happen in 10 years or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have someone who is young and studying or in the beginning of their career. How can they get into this? Um, I think you could get into it almost any way you like. You can be, you can study psychology or design or engineering or physics or mathematics. You could really study more or less anything. So what I would say is that uh, take an interest you have somewhere that you can be long-term oriented or, or you already are, uh, and you um, you combine this with some kind of a, a formal formal education. Or, um, or a direction uh, within one of the technologies um, th- or that we have talked about. Okay, um, so the way I understand it is that uh, uh, you take your favorite area, like a hobby, and then you combine it with a supportive technology that you can use in robotics. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's a very good way of, of putting it. Um, so, for example, start if you want to craft the perfect career in robotics, um, just just break it down. Think of all the separate parts of, of robots. Like Just break it down physically. You have fingers, you have skin, you have touch, you have muscles, you have arms, you have actuators, which is really just some kind of small motors that make things move, sensors and tools and uh, all kinds of, uh, of subsystems that we talked about earlier in, in terms of motion, balance, vision, touch, smell, etc. And then, then just figure out which of these systems do you think are too clumsy today? Which, which ones are too... And, and where do you find that you spontaneously actually have ideas for improvement? I get that all the time just by watching videos of robots. I can see that. Why don't they use that balance ball technology that they use? Why don't they put that in the fingertips? And you would have like rolling fingertips that could uh, better understand if the thing you're holding is slipping or not. Right, um, but but that's that's um, that's pattern recognition. I mean, on your part, uh, it's not so easy to uh, do it like that when you're beginning. So, because you've been at it for like twenty years, so uh, how would you do it from scratch? How would you get into it? Um, well, um, one good way would be to map and visit all the local robotics companies that you have in your vicinity, um, in your city. Uh, well, hopefully it's not too small of a city, <laughs> but but uh, uh, maybe you have to go visit some 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 larger city in that case. But uh, just look through the um, the yellow pages or or uh, um, or the whatever you have, and and, uh, and find companies that are that are into any kind of automation. I think it's easier to search for automation than robotics. So that's like the key word to kind of look for. Yes. Okay. So, so that's really step step one. Um, but then I also kind think of like Warren Buffett back in the day going through <laughs> that. Uh, uh, I don't remember what it was. Was it the phone book that he went through and he just looked at all the companies and he looked at their valuations and stuff? I, I don't remember that, but um, it doesn't sound too far off. Yeah. Too far fetched. Uh, but but so that's that's one way. Another way is to 
watch watch sci-fi movies or, or read sci-fi books you will get interesting ideas and and if you just if you just prime yourself to think about whether it's it's likely or if it's uh, useful and uh, if it's uh, if it's good enough I mean, people don't like to think but if you actually just stop and think about it for for a couple of minutes think actively and I th then I think most people will actually get ideas for improvement and try to find companies that are already doing this. And if you if you can't find those companies, then there is um, then there could be um, a niche for you. I'm not saying that you should start your own company because that's a high high threshold. But what you should do is try to visit robotic and automation companies and and talk to the owners or the employees about what's going on. Okay. Uh, how about if you buy a small robot? <laughs> yes, that's uh, that's actually well. It, it, it sounds funny, uh, but it's a good idea. There are there are these small toy robots which you can both you can program them, and you can just play around with them and, and, and see what are they capable of today in terms of com communication and mobility, and and what would you want to see in them. And they, maybe you could well you could actually um, uh, come w up with suggestions for the manufacturer, and who knows what will happen then? Maybe they'll hire you. What, what uh, does a small robot like that cost? I don't really know, but I expect uh, a couple of hundred dollars, maybe just a hundred dollars. All right. To summarize, in the interest of time, the main idea here is that robotics is a framework of thinking about future technologies and uh, uh, future industries and, and uh, jobs. So what you want to do is see if your interest or your skills or your education, if they can somehow, or your hobby, if they can, can somehow be matched to um, a supportive industry to robotics. It could be anywhere in terms of design or engineering or or the areas where the robots are supposed to uh, to fix a problem. Um, so just think, well, the mindset really of the day is robotics. Think about robotics, whatever you do, and, and see if you can fit yourself into that framework. I would also like to add that uh, what I've gained from uh, both this episode and from talking to you about this kind of thing other times is uh, the whole big picture thing of thinking about all of these different industries coming together into some sort of massive converging point. Uh, we don't have a name for it, but like you were saying, robotics might be like the new auto industry where you used to have all these different separate parts and then it became, you know, a car. But before we had cars, no one really... It wasn't really a concept, but it could be something like that. Exactly. And I also think that the, um, the, the, the idea of thinking about robotics as the car industry um, of, of the 21st century, um, that, that, uh, that helps in understanding how big and widespread the industry could be and how many support sectors and technologies uh, could flourish underneath the robotics umbrella. It's a little bit like that uh, movie The Graduate, where uh, the graduate got uh, the suggestion to go into play Plastics. That, that's the Dos, Dustin Hoffman guy, right? Yes. Yeah. So go into plastic. Plastics. That's where um, the future lies. Mm, okay. Uh, so let's wrap it up. And uh, um, so for everyone who subscribes to our newsletter, we will send out uh, a little bonus there with five different future industries. Uh, and we'll talk more about that in the next episode. The next episode will be about different future industries. And then coming up will be an interview that we do where we talk to the futurist Martin Ford, who is the author of Architects of Intelligence. 
Great, that wraps it up. And um, let's also uh, give a big thanks to Alexander Martin who edits uh, this episode. Yes, okay. Thanks and thank you for listening.